Hi, I'm Heidi Riggs, owner and teaching artist at Heidi Riggs's Vocal Studio in Richmond, Michigan, and this is my podcast, Sing, Breathe, Be, where I discuss the adventure that is finding our authentic voice, and more importantly, the courage to use it. Okay, guys, here we are. <clears throat> As promised, I'm on the new equipment. I'm using my new sound card, I'm using my new mic, so fingers and toesies crossed that this goes smoothly. Okay, we are on episode four, and I had mentioned, I think, on a post or maybe a story, I'm not quite sure which, that this episode I would discuss a little bit about my preschool program here that we just launched. Um, it's been actually a really slow launch, but that's okay. You know, good things come to those who wait, I suppose. And um, I want to kind of talk about how I ended up here with this program and the synchronicities and the surrender that it took to kind of come to this place. And I'm still on the journey. I mean, I don't I don't think this is um, any destination arrival situation here. I have not arrived anywhere. I think this is a process. And I'm really looking forward to seeing where it takes these young, these youngsters, because um, based on what I've seen in terms of um, this program, and in, in seeing other studios that have used it, it, it looks like it, it does prepare these young young babies, basically two to six-year-olds, for music. You know, it teaches them how to understand, speak, read music and um, notation, right? And that is a tool that will end up serving them for their entire lives, right? And it doesn't mean that, oh, well, you start your little child out this age because you expect them to be, you know, the new, the this generation's Mozart, right? Or Beethoven. That's not it at all. It, it is um, it's more than that even, right? Because, you know, I'm pretty sure Mozart and Beethoven were prodigious and... Um, they, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't know how many of those are born in, in any generation. But because of that, they're the exception, not the rule, then we, we need to tweak the system a little bit, I think, to prepare young people. So I've said this a few times in a few different places that, um, and when discussing this program, that many students aren't introduced to reading music of any kind until they're in maybe in a choir situation in elementary school, um, middle school. And then most students actually get their first real test of knowledge, what they've already kind of absorbed um, in sixth grade when they pick up their first instrument if they're doing band. And there is a huge number of kids that start out and then don't finish at all, like don't finish even a year of it. If that, they'll, they'll finish one year and then don't come back in, in seventh grade to, you know, to put themselves through it, right? You know, through this challenge of learning to play an instrument at simultaneously learning how to read music. And I'm hoping to kind of be part of 
a movement to normalize teaching young children how to read music. I want to be part of that. So um, one of the, I want to actually give you guys like a little bit of research here that helped kind of seal the deal with me offering this program. So one of, hold on, my apologies. Okay. So it says here, Anne Steinhoff's 2016 article, The Importance of Music in Early Childhood Development. Steinhoff mentions that the years from birth to the age of six is the most important period for a child's musical development. During this time, the youngest of toddlers can understand the different tones and can even begin memorizing the music. This type of learning and understanding not only develops their musical abilities, but also assists with language development. Um, also, to the 2020 article, Why Ages 2 to 7 Matters So Much for Brain Development by Rishi Srirams. Srirams, yes. They mention how children's brains develop in spurts called critical periods. The peri periods start at 2 and conclude around age 7. During these periods, children's brains are able to learn twice as fast than at any other time of life. What? <laughs> okay, the periods start at two and conclude around age seven. During these periods, children's brains are able to learn twice as fast than at any other time in life. To quote Sir Ram, children's experiences in these, this phase have lasting effects on their development. Younger brains are more likely to recall bright colors and loud sounds compared to dim hues and quiet voices. This is one of the reasons many young children's shows involve, involve a sort of bouncy voice when singing songs as well as bright colors and lively themes. So that's how it, you kind of engage that, that young brain. So, um, so yeah, I want to I wanna be part of this where we're, we're passionate about making sure kids you know, get the exposure to this music, to, to music and, and to notation and to understanding rhythm and understanding tone and understanding dynamic and understanding, you know, what a diff different instruments sound like and, um, and how to look at a scale, uh, you know, sorry, the staff and read the notes on it, depending on what clef it is. Okay, so all of that is why I'm passionate about making sure we have something to offer this age group. But how did I get here, right? And I, I ask myself that daily. How did I get here? <laughs> well, I, I, I'm, I'm as surprised as anyone. Mostly because I, I used to believe very early on when I first was approached to teach students that I might not be able to really truly connect with anyone, you know, even, young, even as young as early high school. I thought I am going to probably bore them <laughs> and most likely make them mm, hate music and definitely hate singing, right? I did not know what I didn't know, right? I didn't know that I would connect with them. I didn't know what it would be like having me in a room with someone else who loved music and what that kind of alchemy would create. And um, I definitely underestimated <laughs> myself and my love for music early, early, very early on, because I, I questioned whether I should be taking anyone younger than 16 and all of those things. And there's still a school of, you know, thought that says that <clears throat> singers shouldn't start classical training or traditional vo vocal training until they're older. But I'm like, you know, we can teach the kid where they are and 
you can give them challenges that are age appropriate and that are, you know, healthy for their voice and but still teach proper technique, proper inhalation, proper awareness of space, you know, terminology, all of that. There's a lot of information that can be, you know, given to young students that they, that is age appropriate and and in no way will overwhelm them. And then believe it or not, all of those tools turn into something pretty miraculous, which I've discovered over the years. With that said, I never really saw myself as like a preschool set, right? I, I barely saw myself as a high school set teacher. You know, I didn't really see that because I, again, I didn't go into education. I went into performance and my focus was pedagogy and still is pedagogy. So, and performing. I mean, obviously I love performing. I love being part of that. So that you already know that. If you've listened to any of my other podcasts, you already know that. But I want to talk about how I surrendered, right, and allowed this, what I'm imagining to be a pretty miraculous, you know, development in terms of an offering that I have here um, at the studio. So I'm going to take you guys back. I'm going to take you back to a place. <laughs> We're going to rewind this thing back to the beginning of 2021. So 2020, for everybody, you know, who, um, you know, stayed intact, stayed in their brick and mortar, if they had one, were able to continue teaching, all of those things, just amazing. Bravo, brava, bravissima. Here's why. It was really challenging in a lot of different ways. And it shook the foundation of a lot of educators and, and studio teachers, you know, the how they, how they did their thing. Okay. For me, I was incredibly blessed. I had been challenged in the world of virtual teaching early, um, way early, like probably right when FaceTime was like really turning into a thing. I would say six, seven years ago, um, I had a student move out of town far away, far enough away that they weren't going to make the travel, but they still wanted to study. And we, I was like, well, let's use technology. Let's see about this. And I think we actually used FaceTime. Maybe it was Skype. I don't know. It was, it was a hot minute ago, but I, I got creative and helped the student um, on the other side of the state of Michigan study weekly. And they even made trips back into town to perform. You know, I mean, there were lots of a lot of big learning curve here for me, but I was able to do it because the student really wanted to. And so I made the accommodation and I was I'm grateful, sure grateful I did. And then over the year, those years, I actually had more than a handful of students <clears throat> who would leave town and go away and do the thing and, and study and um, want to still take, you know, the a vocal coaching here and there or even regular voice lessons, you know, weekly. Um, so I had a system kind of already in place, what the student needed, what I needed to send the student to, you know, facilitate the lesson. Um, and how we kind of were able to work ourselves around the struggle of delay because of satellite feeds and, and the such. So I made it workable. It worked. And it still does work, actually. <laughs> I'm still teaching virtually, which is wonderful. Um, but when 2020 happened, you know, when that all started coming down, I was already priming my students for, if you intend to keep studying, here's how we're going to do it. And it worked. And I stayed in business. I stayed open. I would have stayed teaching no matter where I was. You know, if I was back in my kitchen, um, my family might have they might have left, but um, <laughs> I would have kept teaching. So don't worry about that. That part was going to happen. But was I going to be able to do it well enough um, 
you know, with enough consistency that I'd be able to keep my studio space open? And the answer was yes. And honestly, I never doubted that. Even going in, as, as horrible as it felt for everybody, and as precarious as everyone felt about their, our lives and our businesses and our opportunities and what was happening in the world and, and to, to a certain degree what is still happening, right? I didn't doubt it for a minute. I, I knew I would be able to stay in business. Was it easy? No. Did it work? Yeah. Did I start questioning it? No, I didn't. Not at all. I didn't question it at all. I knew it would work. I knew my students would get what they needed. Why? I truly believe it's because I'm in I'm in service of my students. I'm in, I'm invested in them as much as they're investing in themselves. And I think that energy is what propelled, you know, because I think it'd been really easy to get like super down. And I know a lot of people did it and that's totally okay. And I hold space for everybody who really struggled through this. And in no way am I sitting here going, I made it through. <laughs> no, not at all. I'm saying I think my ability, I, I am very lucky, I was very blessed that I already had a way to do what I was doing virtually. That's all. One. Two, how do we pandemic proof our businesses? Well, that's another podcast, right? And God, I hope it's something we don't ever have to consider again, ever in this lifetime. Um, but with that said, going into this 2021, having gone through what we went through in 2020, you know, a lot of gratitude, you know, just came through with a lot of gratitude and focus still for my students. I mean, I was still trying to get them a, a virtual stage to perform on, a real stage to perform on. It was so hard to plan for them to, um, you know, practice what they were learning because, you know, you, you just can't, there were no venues to book. So I made do and worked with my producer. We created um, virtual showcases, which were also still very challenging. The first one actually um, was deceptively easy. I hate to use that word, but I mean, yeah, it was a little easy. And the second one was actually the one where we ran into every technical issue you could possibly run into in a live event online. Um, and honestly, I think I left there with more anxiety than when I had shown up <laughs> for sure the Saturday night virtual. I know, I know I did. I know I did. Um, but with that said, you know, coming into 2021, we, I was doing a virtual showcase in January, which was actually our Christmas showcase, our holiday showcase, um, that got postponed because of an outbreak, right, of course. And then the spring showcase, which was ended up being a feature for my, my graduating seniors and my classical students, because we did a Saturday night, like a big, you know, a fun one that was just like all our favorite stuff. And then my my more advanced students still like they were there. They showed up and showed out and did some French and did the, you know, made it cool. They made it cool. Um, but everybody else was like very much, you know, we, um, what was it called? What do we do? What was it called? Um, this is magic or we are magic. We are magic. And then um, the Sunday show, we did a Sunday, a shorter, smaller, more intimate matinee on Sunday. And this was with a, <clears throat> an accompanist. I, use and he tunes my pianos and he's amazing and his name is Matt Manhart and if you want his information because you need a piano tuned or you need an accompanist message me um because he is honestly chef's kiss the best love him love all my others of course but Matt is is always just he's spot on he came in tuned my piano and we then went ahead with a a, a live accompaniment and in-person accompaniment and then a virtual you know accompanied 
you know, classical showcase that was much shorter matinee. And I think that one we entitled Believe in Magic. So anyway, coming through all of that, doing virtual showcases was a challenge by itself. And then coming into this last two weekends where we just did, you know, our first live in person since 2019, um, you know, it took a lot of, it took a lot of, you know, a lot of energy went to that, right? But it, at the same time, and, and it simultaneously, we are having a build out here at our studio and an ongoing, it's still, still going, my husband was hanging, bless his heart, was hanging, um, soundproofing <laughs> today before my, our first preschool student came. So we were, st we're still doing this build out. I mean, I still have a door to order. We still have more soundproofing to order. I mean, it's, it's going to be a minute still, but yeah, my husband is the best and he's the one who's making this all happen. I can't say enough about him either. Um, and I won't, that's another podcast. Again, that's a whole other, it's a whole other day. Um, so coming into now, the now, um, what prompted all of this was really just my traditional New Year's Eve used to be resolution time. Okay, so I can't speak for everybody, obviously, but for myself and a few other people I know, New Year's resolutions are a thing. People do them, right? We do these things. We do this to ourselves. And there's, again, industries built around our New Year's resolutions and hoping that we make them and invest in ourselves, right? Okay. So, I mean, I'm obviously the diet industry and the fitness industry is like, you know, that's their, I'm sure everybody else in business, January is not usually a hot month, but for that industry, it's a hot month. So yeah, we all have these New Year's resolutions, right, that we make. And um, I am going to, again, do a completely different podcast about my New Year's resolutions and how it turned into this other thing that I do now. But I will just zippity-doo-dah from when it all started to this New Year's Eve. So this New Year's Eve going in, I, um, again, when I would have normally been making a New Year's resolution, I was not because I don't do them anymore. But um, I do have something that, um, and this, again, is probably where I'll lose a little bit of my audience. <laughs> I'm sure I will. I'm sure you guys will be intrigued and lean in. Um, I have kind of an action word or a... It's a divine word. It comes to me from divinity. Yes, I've heard it inside my head. Say the word. Yes, I've seen it on a billboard. Yes, I, I mean, it has come to me when I've asked and I'll say, okay, I'm ready to receive my action word or my inspired word or my whatever you want to call it, right? Um, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Magictive. I don't know. <laughs> Not really, but yes. So um, this year coming in, I didn't have a word. Normally I get... I get my word. I see it. it I, I know it when I see it. You know how you just know it when you see it. I know it when I see it. And this year, coming into 2021, I didn't have a word. I was like, okay, well, I guess the word, the word fountain has ceased to flow or something. I don't know. And so I thought, well, I'm not going to make a new resolution because I'm still anti-resolution. However, okay, why am I anti-resolution? Because it, it bases... It's usually based on not being enough. That's all. Not enough of something. Whether it's thin enough, strong enough, healthy enough, nice enough, grateful enough, whatever it is, we want to do, we want to be better at something. And I am a very serious manifester in the way that I make sure 
my thoughts and words and as best I can, of course, align with what I want and not what I don't want. And this is where it gets tricky by going, oh, I want to lose, you know, 25 pounds or 100 pounds or whatever the number is. Um, if you're focused on the pounds, that's what you're going to attract, okay, right? That's what you're going to attract. But instead, if you focus on gaining health, so if you say that for your new resolution, I want to gain health, I want to be on a health journey where I'm receiving, you know, opportunities to, you know, fortify and, you know, increase my strength and health and all the things, then, yeah, okay, sure, then do it that way. But do we do it that way? No, we're like, I want to lose 25 pounds. Um, I want to quit, you know, overspending, I want to save money, because I'm a bad saver and there's scarcity mindset, blue, blue, blue. Okay, so you go down the list and most of us are not making New Year's resolutions in a mindful, manifestation-focused way, okay? It's usually a, a correction. We're trying to correct something about ourselves and we're gonna be disappointed with ourselves when we quit the quit the gym or quit the whatever. And I'm just, I quit doing that. I quit doing that in 2017. I literally was like, I'm done. Obviously, these New Year's resolutions haven't got me where I want to be, so I'm no longer going to be riding this train. I'm going to do something else. And I don't know what inspired me to think that other than probably just being done, right? Okay. So this year, 2021, coming in 2021, I didn't have a word. No word. There was no word. I was like, mm, okay, I'm just going to feel it out here. So I meditated and... um. I basically was just releasing whatever, you know, was no longer serving me. And I kind of do like a broad, like, release whatever isn't for my highest good kind of vibe. And then I said, and I'm ready in the new year to receive, you know, opportunities and, you know, abundance and opportunities to and motivation and whatever to try new things and be healthy and all the things, right? So just really just receiving inspiration, receiving divine guidance, receiving whatever that I needed, anything I needed, and then this or something better, right? You got to finish with that. Everybody should finish with that. This or something better. Amen. Okay. So this case, I actually was like, really specific, which I was surprised about afterwards, because I don't usually I'm usually really broad, like, hey, you know, releasing things, resentment, whatever that doesn't serve me anymore. So I said to myself, or to my guides or to God or to whomever would listen, um, that I was ready to expand my offerings. I was ready to expand my offerings. Let's do this. And I didn't know what I meant by that either. Just offerings. I'm ready. All right. I didn't know what it, I didn't know what I meant when I said it. I honestly didn't. I just said offerings. And basically ready to receive the guidance on that, but I'm ready to expand my offerings. Okay, so now fast forward to March, and something happened that made me rethink my space where I was staying. And it was at first when I when I heard about it, it was upsetting, and I was upset for about five minutes. And then I got into the gratitude place where I was like, all right, well, I guess I have to find a new place. And, and, I, and the thing is, and again, another podcast, <laughs> the story that goes with this is is pretty profound in terms of what manifested for me um, and for my studio in a very brief amount of time and how many people <clears throat> were part of it, um, un unknowingly part of it, un unbeknownst to them, they were part of this. Um, and there were a lot of a lot of different parts. But bottom line is, 
I didn't renew my lease and um, and my husband was grateful because he actually had not wanted me to be there since the first summer I was there. Um, and I loved it. I loved my little space and I thought this is perfect. It's just what I needed. And it was. It was just what I needed for then. And I, and I didn't want to disrupt my students. So the idea of moving was not in my, definitely coming out of 2020. I mean, we all barely skated through 2020, right? Well, 2021's coming. No, let's go ahead and find a new location or buy a place or whatever and do a huge build out. And oh, definitely. Yeah, no, 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 no. That was not where my head was. And I wasn't resisting it once it came up for us. Um, thank God. But it didn't cross my mind going into the year. I wasn't like, oh, this is the plan. No, the I had a no plan plan, really. It was just like, I want to expand and like ready to receive. So super like naive, I guess, about it. But uh, and here we go. And then I, I said it and then I, I let it go like you're supposed to do. I'm, you know, I'm ready to expand my offerings. Boom. And then the universe, God, <clears throat> source went into action and basically had me not renewing my lease. And then within a matter of a couple of weeks, finding my new location, signing the lease on that and um, then making the plans to do the build out. And as we were doing the build out, so this this space is three times bigger than my last space just down the street though which is pretty cool it's not too far from home which is nice but it needed so so much work and this in this build out was not without its challenges too but there were two extra rooms okay in the space and I want to use the front room because I want to see who's coming in and out of the building and and I like the front room because it's you know roomy and my students can kind of pretend they're on stage if they want and there's just like it just gives you options and I just like kind of like a big open space it feels good to me to teach in and I and I know I think my students like it too and if a parent wants to come in or a friend wants to come in and have a seat it's far enough away from the singer that they're not feeling like it's intrusive um so I like it so my front room of the studio is is the room I teach from but there are these three back rooms there are two rooms and then a smaller room in the way in the way back and these two rooms I was like well one's my office for sure because my last studio I was able to have an office and um I was all spoiled because, well, I have office furniture now <laughs> and I wanted somewhere to put it all and have my cute little office, even though, let's be honest, am I in here that much? No. But since I started my podcast, boom shakalaka, guess where I am? My office. Mm. So anyway, knew it was going to be my office. The room next to it, however, I had not really, like, I was like, I don't know, um, I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know. what I didn't know. I had no idea. I was just like, I'll just put something in there. And I mean, I didn't, I thought it'd be like a, a break room. But for who me? I don't need a break room. I'm by myself. My kid, like literally I have a microwave and a little like retro refrigerator. It's pink. It's adorable. And like my water and my snacks, they're all in my office. I'm not going to put it in a different room. And then the back room, I was actually, well, that's far enough away. Actually, I could make that like a practice room for somebody like my students, I have, a, I had a few actually, a handful who are now in college, bless their hearts. But at the time, they would be like, can I just borrow the studio back when we were in the old space? Can I just use it so I can, you know, practice? Because their voices are huge, right? They have these big, humongous voices and they're, thank God, right? But that's what they wanted. <laughs> be careful what you ask for. <laughs> because they'd be at home and they'd be, you know, disturbing the peace, basically, in their homes with their families. So they would ask if they could use the space. And, you know, occasionally I would oblige. But most, office, most often I didn't feel like I should be in the habit of handing the key out, right? Just, I mean, 
that's probably a bad idea. Make people responsible for my space is not a, and all my things in it. It's probably not the best idea. So I knew it was a need. So I saw the back room and it was pretty teeny, but I'm like, this is still bigger than the practice rooms I had in college. I mean, and in college, I was just grateful I had a piano that was in tune and I could practice with. I mean, hello, that's like jackpot. Didn't have to be fancy. And I thought, well, I could make it pretty nice in here. I could make it like, and there's, oh my gosh, I have my 88 key Yamaha at the house still. I can get that down out of the attic. Um, I'm actually surprised my youngest Isabel hadn't absconded with it yet. She took my other keyboard, which was a smaller keyboard, but still functional. And she actually has that in her room. But I think if she could have gotten the 88 key Yamaha down and all of its, you know, things that go with it, I think she would have in a heartbeat. Yeah, Isabel, I'm talking to you. Yeah, she would have taken it. Um, but she has the other one. So I was thinking, I could just set that up. And so I made a big announcement. This is going to be a practice room. You guys can totally use it. You can rent it. Like, I'm like, I'll monetize it. Sure. And, and if you're a current student of mine or, or an alumni, you could come rent it for a discount, of course, right? And then I, thought, I was thinking, well, if there's other area teachers and they need a space to rent, you know, they can rent this space. I'll put together a little contract or something for them and they can rent it. And again, boom, expanded my offerings, right? I did it. Okay, I've arrived. I've expanded my offerings. So I told my husband, this is what we're going to do. We're going to bring it in. It's going to be nice. And I was really excited. And then again, in the second room next to my office, I had said, oh, that can just be like our little waiting area like I already had a waiting area so I was like my second waiting area I didn't know my students could go in there I thought and study maybe I could put, I actually thought about putting the refrigerator in there at one point so then I was like all right cool so I felt really you know I've expanded my offerings I did what I said I was going to do or what I wanted to do right or so I thought and then <clears throat> this build out I mean honestly it has taken and and it's because my husband's worked the whole time and you know I mean, just it, family, family stuff and, you know, bunch of stuff, bunch of reasons. It's just taken a long time. We haven't been able to devote day in, day out, even though it's felt like it actually, you know, to get it done. But so much has been done. So, I mean, the fact that it's not done is totally fine because most of it is done. I'm really grateful. Um, but we're in the middle of it. I mean, we've been in the middle of it. So at this point, I think it was June. So June was when we started the build out, June 1st, and I was still in my old studio, and I was moving out at the end of June. So I was teaching out of the old studio space, and we were building out here, and July 1st was like looming, right? And I must have been on Facebook or something, and it was early in the morning, like really early, and I'm just scrolling through, and all of a sudden I see this preschool program like available to schools and you know, preschools and whoever else, you know, teaches young children. Um, and it's available exclusively. It's not available to families to purchase outside. You know, it's not like that. It has to be, you have to be like an educator, right? It's curriculum, essentially. And I was like, okay, I've never seen this before. And I'm looking at it and it's like got animals and 10 levels. And then I like, you could click a button for more information. And I receive an email with a link to a YouTube you know, 45 minute YouTube, you know, advertisement, basically, but it's all about it. And the owners who are lovely, by the way, are talking about the program, it's 45 minutes long, and I got my coffee. And I sat there and I watched it. And, and as I'm sitting there, it was probably about 35 minutes in and I realized, I have the space for this. I, I could do this. I could offer this. Like it was just so divinely, like I was so divinely guided to this 
program. Like it was just, and I'm sitting there going, this solves all my problems. Because so often I'm asked, will you teach my six-year-old? Will you teach my, and I'm like, uh, okay, there is a line, by the way. I would definitely not. If you're under 10, if you're eight to 10, I will consider it. I will evaluate you and go, okay, let's see if you are actively doing theater in our area. If you are a child actively pursuing roles, and I mean like in pre-professional theaters or professional theaters, then I'm definitely going to help you out because I know you're going to go look somewhere else if I say no, right? You're super motivated. And I trust that I will make sure the child doesn't develop a bunch of bad habits or injure themselves. So I, I feel almost like I kind of have to when I'm brought with that. However, if you're just, you know, if you're exploring it, I might not be the teacher to explore it with. I recommend exploring dance or exploring piano or another instrument um, if you're that age, if you're, you know, eight years old or whatever. So, um, so yeah, I kind of, 10 is what I advertise that I take 10 and up. Um, and again, 10-year-olds still, I want you to actively be seeking out shows and things like that because otherwise I'm going to bore you to death, right? Okay. Um, potentially. But this program I was sitting there going okay well I would have something to offer when people message me who are six kids are six years old and I'm like and I never say no I won't evaluate them and then I'll usually go okay well let's are you in dance and I get to have a conversation with them and kind of say okay here's what I recommend um if you're looking at you know the arts right and what you should do at this age what's appropriate and you know every child there's exceptions to every rule I'm sure there's some children out there who are totally ready for voice at the age of whatever but six seven years old and um I mean, it's totally fine, but they're the exception. They're not the rule. Okay. But this program was going to, in my mind, I was like, oh, there it is. This is it. This is, this is it. And so I talked to my husband and I was like, I walked him through the studio. I was like, what do you think if this is a classroom and the back room is a practice room slash classroom? I could actually have two preschool program. I could have a preschool program running two classrooms. You know, this might be pretty awesome you know, to have an offer. So I talked to the owners of the company and they're a Michigan-based company, by the way. And, um, and I'll tell you the name, Animal Adventures and Music. They're fantastic. Um, and a fun story, by the way, I actually, their cousin, I actually music directed years and years and years ago, who's a rich, they're a Richmond family. And um, it, it's just, you know, small world. And I always tell my students and anyone who will listen, the art world is small. The world is small and the art, art world is smaller. So make a lot of friends because that's those are your options because everybody knows everybody. And in truth, this is how that happened too. So I was like, oh yeah. She was like, oh, you're in Richmond. And then do you know? And I'm like, yes, I'm actually music director. Okay. So um, really got to sitting down and figuring out the cost and all the things and what we would have to do to the rooms to accommodate a program. So this has been going on since June. And here we are, October. And today was the first class. <laughs> the first class, but truly divinely guided to this moment because I have an alumni and I've actually let her rent the studio and teach out of it. And I've gotten her students and, and, um, and now that, you know, I, I don't want to say the words post pandemic. Cause I feel like I'm being, uh, pre post pandemic. Let's go there. Pre post pandemic. I'm hoping that we're getting more students and I can, you know, hand more students over to, you know, willing and, and able and um, excited and enthusiastic teachers. That's my goal there. So anyway, this person is an alumni. You can look on my page. Her name is Stephanie, and she's awesome, and I love her, um, and I love her whole family. And um, 
she's been with me for I don't know five ever forever (laughs) and now she's graduated with her degree and um you know I knew she'd be the first person I was going to call and say hey are you interested because I know she loves working with little ones and loves working with kids and you know I'm my my schedule and my studio I'm willing to work with people and Stephanie knows that so it was going to be a great fit great fit and then kind of came up on okay put word out made some call a couple more oh Stephanie was totally in by the way obviously if you followed any of this at all she was totally in and I'm so grateful and um, I can't wait to actually she teaches on Wednesdays and Saturdays and I'm not sure which one's her prior like right now I'm like focus on one and she's like yeah and so I don't know which one but we're totally taking students for Stephanie um so hey if you guys are interested have a preschooler want to do a Wednesday or Saturday let me know reach out because Stephanie is the best love her okay big plug for Stephanie so um I I reached out to a few different people and it seemed like you know it wasn't the right time for them or um they were feeling maybe even feeling a little intimidated by the process and and you know I get it so I was like because I'm like I'll mentor you like I'll help you out and um but you know it's a lot it's a big leap it's a big leap I get it so I was really kind of like, I need another teacher because I can hear my vocal therapist's voice in my head saying, you may be on the outside of your, you know, the vocal demands. You know, you might just be asking a little too much of your voice to talk all day and then try to sing at other times and all the things. Now, do I feel fatigued? Mm, no, not really. But I mean, he made a point, so... I'm going to listen, right? So I knew for me that I probably wasn't going to be the first one signing up to teach the program. Now, I said from the beginning that if we get a huge influx and Stephanie and Megan is, by the way, our other teacher, um, can't, you know, they can't take on everybody because, I mean, they're just one person each, right? So, and one day a week or possibly two, they might come in on Saturdays if needed. You know, I would jump in. I would get in there and I would teach. I'd put my put my name down in the schedule for it. So I knew from the beginning that this would be something I would jump in and do if needed. Um, but like I said, I, I'm all about giving people, you know, opportunities to do their thing. And the more people working in the arts, the better, in my opinion. So, I mean, I'm here for giving the, the opportunities to people. So that's part of the expansion, which, again, who would have known until I got in here and said, oh... That's what this meant. This is what this meant. Um, so I needed another teacher. I needed one other one. And I reached out on Facebook, kind of put a, like an open sort of like accepting applications and got zero interest. And then I'm like, okay, so LinkedIn, I know a lot of people who've gotten huge like business opportunities through LinkedIn. So it's obviously awesome as far as being like a, you know, business opportunity app and and all of that. And I'm on LinkedIn, but I mean, I'm not really on LinkedIn. I don't get on there every day. I don't post like I should. Like, you know, I mostly work through Instagram and then whatever Instagram will let me link to my Facebook kind of goes there. Facebook occasionally gets its own special moment, but that's because, you know, it's a, it's a link to another article or something, to an article or to another website or a competition or something like that. So, most of it is Instagram, Facebook. And then I also link to Twitter, but I never go on there. So again, okay. Um, I needed a second person, maybe even a third in my mind. So I went on LinkedIn and I saw that I could put an ad out. So I'm like, let's do this. Let's just do it. And I got a couple different 
really qualified folks to who applied. And then when I said the days, I lost a few. Um, and then I got this interview and I'm going to, I'm going to probably embarrass the heck out of her. And I don't even care because she's that amazing. I got this interview with, with Miss Megan and I, I think the interview lasts like an hour and a half because <laughs> we just literally got to chatting. And I think that's what happens when you have like, I don't know, people in your, you know, your, your wheelhouse, what you do, you know, what you do, you get passionate, you get talking and chatting and, and have similar stories. And, you know, you have a lot of, lot in common, right? Just a lot in common. And I mean, I just offered her the job on the spot. I mean, I wasn't going to like hold my cards close to my chest here. For what? For what reason? Um, and, you know, and of course, I was giving her the every opportunity to go, yeah, I think this is a lot to bow out <laughs> kind of thing. But at no point had, did she say that. And I was kind of waiting for the shoe to fall because I was like, oh, my gosh, she's amazing. And I love her. And I love her like I love Stephanie because I, mean, I have known Stephanie forever and I love her. So I'm just like, this is actually awesome. And we had like a meeting and everybody came in and and, you know, I think we probably could have hung out all afternoon. You know, it was one of those like really like crazy, like divinely guided you know, you just know, you know how you just know, you just know. And I just knew. And today she came in to teach her first student, first preschool student, first preschool, first. And, you know, we prepped, you know, I made sure she had everything in her classroom that she needed. Corey was in here hanging the last of the, the sound proofing, you know, on the on the wall. I still have one more sound proofing thing to buy. But I have to tell you, it just was like, came in, student came in. I'm going to reach out to the student's family and, you know, make sure it was what I imagined it was. But Megan said it was a great, great first lesson. And I could hear part of it, too. So it sounded like a great first lesson. And I couldn't be more excited for this program. <laughs> because I'm honestly going, these kids are actually going to learn how to read music. <laughs> and it's going to be awesome. But here I am. I was sitting in my new studio, offering more than I ever even thought to offer, right? Doing a podcast that I've been thinking about doing for well over a year and a half. And the the honestly, the entire landscape of my business has changed. The the entire business model has changed in um a very short amount of time. So why why do I think I'm divinely guided for that? Well, because of who I was before would have resisted all of this. <laughs> who I was pre-2017 New Year's Eve would have said, oh, it's going to cost so much to build the build-out. Let's not do it. Oh, I'm losing my studio space. So I'd focus on the loss rather than the opportunity, the gain. Um, oh, that program, oh, it's going to be so hard to manage all those kids and all this stuff. And Right? Like that would have been what I would have said. Totally. I'd be like, oh, I have enough on my plate. Oh, I have too much. It's going to be too much. I'm going to be overwhelmed. I can't think to do a podcast. I mean, I'm teaching all these hours. And a, I mean, I could have come up with a reason for an excuse for every single opportunity I have right now. So that's how I know, one, that meditation works 100%, 110%, that surrendering is the only option because you will be guided once you do. But when you resist or when you push through things, you know, try to, you know, force something, you know, that's honestly coming from a scarcity mindset. So all of this, all of it has been divinely guided from not being able, not 
seeing a clear path to re-upping my lease in the old location, to finding this location, to conceptualizing the idea of, oh, a practice room, there's a need, fill the need, okay, cool, to suddenly going, you're thinking small, Heidi, here's what we, you know, here's an opportunity, this is real, do this, do this and, and fix a problem you've, you've run into numerous times, you know, where kids have all the want and desire and, um, you know, they're not ready for private voice <laughs> or they're not ready for private whatever, whatever the instrument is. And so this is a solution. So it's all of this me being open, right? Surrendering, allowing. This is why I feel where I'm sitting where I am right now with what I'm offering right now. And I'm so excited and grateful that this program is here and exists to be offered because it's it's an answer to prayer. I mean, without a doubt, because so often, and this is another podcast. This is going to be another podcast. This is a long podcast too. Ooh, love you guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Okay, um, but one of the things I've noticed um and this is going to actually lead me into my next podcast for real. So I'm going to talk about it really briefly kind of as a as a a preview. So after doing this for 22 years, I picked up on a few different patterns that develop for um school districts and regions in terms of shows and performing and support from families and the kind of energy it takes in terms of production to you know, create the stir needed to awaken the hearts and minds and creativity of its students or auditioners or whatever. So I want to kind of go into that next podcast where next episode, that's the word, that's the word I'm missing from this um, episode, where I talk about that it's more than just offering a drama program at your high school. It's more than just putting up a season at a community theater, that there's something else, that there's another element, there's another ingredient, if you will, that raises the bar and will then bridge the gap between good and excellent. And I've, again, I've been really, there's a lot of questions I've had in terms of like, why does this work here at this school but doesn't work at this other school? Why does it work here? there and not here or why does it work here and not there why does that one theater community theater like just excel and get all these auditioners and you know and then we you know come up with scarcity mindsets i think as a community or as a community of performers and and i think it feeds into that so we'll talk about that too but this program right here could light fires hopefully not literal fires thank you no don't play with matches but could light the passion of a generation of children who would then come up and be interested in studying at a more serious level or not. Maybe just help them learn, help them with other other subject matter in school, right? Because that's what it does, really. It creates those neural pathways that help them with STEM, right? So getting that from, getting a place where we're valuing the arts, valuing music education, valuing people who go into it as a profession, right? Changing our collective mindset from um, 
what a waste of time. What are you even going to do with that? Haven't you ever heard of a starving artist? Right? To one that's going, wow, there's so many opportunities in the world of music. There's so many opportunities to participate. There's so many opportunities for my child to have a fulfilling, wonderful high school or middle school or college experience if it includes something as fundamental as music. And then to expand on that and go, well, if there's a theater program or if there's a competitive theater program or if there's, you know, X, Y, Z and et cetera, et cetera. Okay, so I want to thank you guys so much for listening today. This has been a divine journey. It has been divinely guided. I have no doubt about it. If you are not into metaphysics at all, (laughs) if you are not into spirituality at all, listening to this might grate your nerves just a little because you're like, you're lucky, Heidi. Just accept it. (laughs) And you know what? You're so right. I am. And I'm blessed. And I'm grateful. And I'm here for anyone who has similar passions or not and journeys because I'd love to have more people to talk to about this stuff Um, because I'm sure my husband would love for me to have more people to talk to about this stuff because, well, it's daily at home. It's daily. I know my daughters would too, for sure. Everybody's a little over it probably who are really, really close to me, but that's okay. That's okay. We'll get there. So thank you guys so much for listening. And if you have any little people in your life who are two to six years old, who who seem to be really busy and, and curious and love music and love to dance around and love to, you know, watch other people play music and they seem to have an interest, then we have that program. We have a program just for them in Southeastern Michigan. So come and check it out. And um, you can even register online now because, my, oh, that's the other thing, totally divinely guided to this program. Um called Go Motion. It's actually designed for sports programs and dance studios and things like that. So they've created, I've worked with them and done an onboarding with them. We can now register students right online. So um, without even me telling you how, you just click on it and register now. So it's actually super low, low key, not high key at all. No pun intended on any of that. But yeah, so I just, that found me too literally found me scrolling through Facebook. There it was. I'm like, what is this? Let me email them. And boom, again, boom, just like that. So um, yeah, you guys, thank you so much for listening. And I really hope everybody has a wonderful week's end. And um, yeah, this was episode four. And It's on manifesting and divine intervention as it relates to my preschool music program. Thank you guys so much for listening today. Um, Until next time, friends. Keep shining.